Hello, I'm Erin Bagwell. And I'm Diana Matthews. Welcome to Feminist Wednesday's Beaver Talk, the podcast where we give Hollywood unsolicited advice about feminism. In our world, Michelle Obama's Instagram is my life coach. Harvey Weinstein is guilty, guilty, guilty. And Jennifer Aniston is the new president. Join us as we deep dive into all the things that fire us up about film and television, the glorious, the misogynistic, and the groundbreaking. This is Beaver Beaver Talk. Talk. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I feel like we start every episode with just saying that we're good and then we talk about all the things that are absolutely not good in the world. Well, we've got a lot to cover today as far as the news and men being awful. And it's quite overwhelming. I feel like this week's in particular, and this will come out, you know, a little bit farther along down the line, but it has been a really hard week to exist, I think. It's one of those ones where the news keeps coming and it just keeps flooding you with like disappointment and disappointment and you yeah know what I'm saying yeah I think you feel over it you don't feel that phased I don't feel phased at all because <laughs> I feel like we're now in the ninth month of this rolling out and yeah. so basically what we're talking about is all of the insanity and sexual assault and sexual harassment allegations coming out of Hollywood lately um, but the biggest one is that Harvey Weinstein has been charged with rape and um lock him up lock him up yeah i realized this was like a i mean this is a really big thing to have happened um this is a win in and of itself it gives people hope that there's going to be justice served for all of the victims um i can't help but be having flashbacks to giangomeshi the giangomeshi trial in canada which i've talked about he was like your matt lawler right yeah um and he was charged with aggravated sexual assault and was found not guilty. Didn't he break that woman's like arm or something? Yeah, he, he broke someone's rib. Oh my God. Um, so I feel, I mean, I'm so, obviously it was like so cathartic to see Weinstein being perp walked in New York City and see that woman behind him like grinning ear to ear that like they got him. Yeah. Um, but I have to just temper it, my expectations for my own my own comfort because this is only the beginning of what can be a very damaging experience. Right. And I just want to give all of the, all of the love to the women who are going to have to testify all of the love for the people who are going to be involved in this, because it will be a fight to see him justice served in any kind of way. Yeah, absolutely. I guess even when we were talking about that, I was thinking about Morgan Freeman and Jason Bateman and just the level of, um, I don't, I don't even know the word for it anymore. It's not disappointment. It's disgust, really, that, like, these stories keep coming out, that people keep facilitating or, you know, not stepping out on these women's behalf. And especially with Jessica Walters and, like, the gaslighting that happened, you know, about the Arrested Development. Um, is it a reboot? Yeah, tell everyone, tell everyone what the Jason Bateman scenario is. What happened? Well, essentially, you know, Jeffrey Tambor, who was um, accused of sexually assaulting two trans women on Transparent, um, is in arrested development. Sexually assaulting or sexually harassing? Assaulting. Okay. And he's in arrested development, and they're doing all these, like, cast interviews and talks and things like that. And it came to be that Jessica Walters had said that Jeffrey Tambor at one point screamed at her on set 
in a way that in 60 years of the industry, she'd never experienced. And the men in the cast chimed in and were like, well, it wasn't that bad. And kind of this chorus of be quiet and don't talk about it. And to the point where she's getting emotional, like feeling bad for bringing it up, like the whole gaslighting of it is it is is really, really hard to read about. And the, I guess they have the audio from the interview, which I have not had the strength to like force myself to listen to. Um, but it's pretty devastating. And one of the things that's also kind of, I think, kind of insensitive and insane about this whole conversation is like we know that two trans women have been assaulted by this man. Yet he talks over this white woman and all of a sudden it's in all the papers. And this is a big deal. And this is the Me Too mo- moment. And it's like we're continuing to marginalize voices that have been raising flags about this man and his behavior, you know, for the last couple of years. So I don't know. It's really upsetting. You know, Jason Bateman was one of the ones who was like, you know, the, our industry is different and our sets are different. And like sometimes stuff happens. And Well, no, he said he made a joke about it. He was like, he was like, yeah, we're, we're like just a, a regular family. family. We yell at the women. It's just like, get the fuck out of here. Like it just... Yeah my skin crawled and it, it's just, I don't know, even reading about Morgan Freeman and like the harassment is very similar to the harassment that I experienced at my job. Like the the touching of like how he needed to touch all the women or that were around him was something my CEO did. And then the lifting up the skirt, like I my boss at one point tried to like get me to lift my skirt. Like it just was so triggering that whole article. It was like really devastating to read. Mm-hmm. It's been a tough week. Yeah, and I think it's kind of this constant, you know, Time's Up, just two of the cases that is going is funded by the Time's Up um, legal fund, two cases are moving forward with that money, which is amazing. Oh, really? I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, one case is against Walmart from okay. a woman who was sexually um, harassed. And then there's another case, which I'm not sure what that one is, but that's, that's a huge win. That's incredibly Are powerful. you learning about that from their Instagram? Yeah. Okay. And New York Times just did a huge feature on both of the um, cases, which is great. But I kind of, I don't know. I think, where do we go? Where are we constantly going? Where are we, what's the move? Like Cosby was a huge moment. And I think, I think what we're always going to really have to be aware of and really have to keep, keep with in this is to make it the movement, not the moment. To really adhere to that thesis that all the women set forward in that we have to keep this, keep it productive, keep it moving, keep justice coming, keep adhere to everything that we want to see come out of this. Well, I think to your point, it's like, are there going to be consequences? Right. You know, with Harvey, it's like, is he, well, is he really going to go to jail? And with Morgan Freeman he would and with only Jeffrey serve, Tambor. He like, would only serve a max of five years if Harvey Weinstein went to jail. And the, the, the fee is like $5,000. We put people away longer for like possession of, illegal possession of marijuana than we do for sexual assault and rape in some cases. So it's like devastating. You get 25 years if you assault a taxi person. So it's like devastating (laughs) to hear that, like what's $5,000 to Harvey Weinstein? Like what is the concept? And is it enough? What is justice? What, what does that look like in the full scope of the law? What would this look like to bring any sort of closure to the victims? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If he even is found guilty, well, which something that I he's thought, entered a plea of not guilty, of course. Ugh. Well, something that I thought was inspiring was um, at Cannes when that one, I want to say she was a French actress, but I don't it's know. It's Asia Argento. She's the Italian actress. Is she the one that, um, yeah. that I reposted that thing about? 
She she know. gave a speech that was basically like the last time I was here, Harvey Weinstein raped me, and yeah. he's no longer welcome at this festival ever again. And I think that it needs to happen. I think you know, definitely I'd love to see him in jail, but I think it also needs to happen culturally where these institutions no longer support these men. But she even went further than that and said, and you know, there are many of you in this audience who are equally as guilty and you know who you are and justice Mm. is coming and time is up. And that was like, she not only brought up Harvey Weinstein, it's like, we can all agree that he's a total bag of garbage. Right. But there's more of you in this audience. Keep going, keep going. And it was so powerful. She was she had Ava DuVernay right beside her while she spoke. And it was like you could see, you know, she looked she looked vulnerable and powerful. It was quite it was quite an incredible moment to hear her say those words to that audience because that is an incredibly powerful audience. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess we'll just have to kind of see what happens with Harvey yeah. and how this continues to shape. And I do think that it's great that people are continuing to it doesn't feel like people are they're not getting tired of believing in women which i think was always we were always waiting for that backlash of like when is this going to turn on us when are people going to rejoin the patriarchy and it is great that people are continuing to explore these conversations do these investigations put this out there hold people like jason bateman responsible yeah i mean we're really Time's up is like the perfect, you know, hashtag for yeah. it. It's like it's over. Yeah, I think I think the most powerful thing is the conversations that I'm even having with people that, you know, I've never even talked about feminism with before. And now, like, they want to talk about these things, even though it's uncomfortable. And that's something that, that's a shift that I see that's really powerful coming out of this already. Really? That's exciting. Yeah. I feel like people are because they know I mean, they know that I love to talk about this stuff and I get really fired up about it. But um, yeah, I think that there are really good things coming out of this and we all kind of need to lean on our tribes and lean on our communities and continue to support each other as more and more stuff comes out about people. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. I mean, I think we got to keep our heads up. I think we stay hopeful. I think if anybody is going to jail over time's up, it's Harvey Weinstein. I'm, I feel hopeful. You know, Diana, you're on the fence. I, I, I just, you've seen I, what yeah. these men have done with the institutions that have always protect them. I get it. It took 58 women to bring down Bill Cosby. 58? Yes. God damn. We suck. So, um, I, but I don't, I mean, I this is a huge win. And I don't, him being arrested was a moment. Like, it's a huge deal. I don't, I do not want to undermine that at all. Charges laid is a big deal. Right. Um, and I think we just need to keep these conversations going, keep supporting one another as more and more comes out during the trial, as more comes out as we get closer to, you know, hearing the sentencing. It's going to be a big one. It's going to be a big energy drain. For sure. Well, in in happier feminist news, um, Ireland voted a landslide in a landslide to make abortion legal, um, which is fantastic. And I was seeing all of these really beautiful campaigns called um, Come Home and Vote. I think it was like a hashtag. And you were just seeing all of these women across Europe going back to Ireland to vote to make sure that they had... Um, the right to a, a legal and safe abortion, which is incredible that, you know, people were really watching this vote with and ner- were nervous and not sure how it was going to go. And, you know, that's a real win. Yeah, it repealed one of the most restic- restrictive abortion laws in the country, um, which is a huge moment for Ireland. I saw this incredible photo of like an old Irish lady, like with her flag out and her pins. And she just looked so joyful. And it was like, this is the best ever. They must yeah. be so, so proud of their country today. For sure. 
I'm going to Ireland this summer. Did you know that? I think I knew there was a plan in the works. Where are you going? It's a plan in the works. I don't know yet. We're doing a, a family trip with my fam. So fun. Yeah, so I'll, awesome. I'll get some boots on the ground, see how the women in Ireland are doing. Bring Betty to the Irish landscape. Yes, I will. Love it. Um, you have so many notes, so I know that you are like... I mean, I think there's in. a lot of cool shows happening, a lot of good, good things in production. Um, I know we're in kind of a dark time in Hollywood, but I think people are taking this initiative to greenlight some really innovative work. Um, the thing that's at the top of my list, underlined, highlighted, exclamation points, Obama. The Obama. Oh, not where I thought you were going. Okay. <laughs> the Obama. Well, I have a couple of things that are very exciting, but the Obamas are getting, have a deal with Netflix. Also, Barack and Michelle Obama. Like, yeah. this is like a dual, like, we don't even know where we're going here. Um, and I literally, I swear to you, like, when this news broke, I went through all my LinkedIn contacts. I went through all my White House contacts. I was like, who can get me a job on one of these shows? Seriously. Like, what is going on? What are they going to work on? What a revolution to, like, put power of the media in these, this, I mean, iconic and powerful and impactful cup. I mean, I'm so excited about it. Legacy, legacy, legacy. It's going to be so good. Oh, I mean, it can't not be. No. Right, right. So that's kind of number one. You didn't think that was my number one? No. I didn't think that was your number one. I thought there was a different number one. You thought one. Uh, the Michael Patrick King producing a RuPaul show might be uh, in the top three? Nope. Didn't think that either. Really? Well, did, did you know that? I did. I'm it's excited about it. I also tried to look for, <laughs> for context for that one. Turns out I do not know Michael Patrick King. Is it being shot in New York? You know, if I know him as a producer, I would think it would be. Yeah. And RuPaul is like so New York in like the 70s, 80s. Like that's his, the disco era was like his his real time where he found himself. What does that have to do with the show? <laughs> I'm just saying that he was in New York at that time. Oh. And so I could see them reliving New York in that way. Are they making it about RuPaul's life? You know, actually, <laughs> I got that confused with the J.J. Abrams show, which is about RuPaul's life. I really want Willow Smith to play. No, him. the Michael Patrick King, RuPaul is in it. And he's like traveling as a drag queen with like a toddler or like a young person, like a, like a young. What? Like a young person and like teaching them about drag. And like, it's like they're good cop, bad cop, like Ru as a parent, kind of a drag queen. <gasps> that's what the show is about. I'm Who's sorry I spiraled on like the 70s, 80s no, that's New York. Totally fine. We come in, we we bring it back. What uh what network is it gonna be on? Netflix. Actually, yes, I think it's Netflix. Wow. That's a big thing. I love that. Yeah, I mean, we couldn't be bigger fans of Michael Patrick King, so I mean. I'm although RuPaul's never seen Sex in the City. I believe that. It's very it's very heterosexual. Although he lives it's next door to Carrie Bradshaw. Yeah, in the village. Whatever. He's his own thing. Here nor there. I get it. Also, um, other show news, Tig Notar and Jennifer Aniston are going to couple up and be, again, another Netflix show about the White House First Ladies, so which good. is going to be just like such a delight. Like what it's a like great name. It's like sinking into a warm bath. I just feel every muscle in my body relax when I hear that premise. Yeah. It's so exciting. When does her show with Reese about the morning show come out? You know, is Reese so busy? Yes. Like, I feel like Jennifer's like, let me just do the show with Tig and, like, you do your thing. Oh, my God. But I want that morning show show so badly because I want to be on a morning show. I feel like Reese is just so busy. She's doing big little lies. She's probably producing 15 things. Yeah. I'm sure it's, like, on her radar. But, right. like, 
not something she needs to do right now. This is something that frustrates me when they announce things the minute they get like pen to paper. And it's like, no, like, let's like let this Mm. be a thing in and of itself before we like start to tell everybody about it. Well, I mean, maybe they're producing, you know, a season in between and then it's taking time to produce an edit. I don't know. It's probably a great way to generate like some good talent too to bring people on. Um, I'm going to give a shout out to the royal wedding. Yes. Because let's talk about it. I so I'm a big fan of watching royal spectacle. I love I wake up for all the weddings, which is interesting because I remember talking to you about the crown and you were kind of like meh about the royalty. Well, I I think they're like fully crazy people. Like I don't have love for the royal family, but I love the spectacle. So and coming like growing up in Canada, you learn all about it. And it's like a very big part of our identity as a nation. So are you Canadian? I'm Canadian. Interesting. So I wasn't going to get up for it. And then I got up. I didn't get up at like 5 a.m. or anything to like watch all the carriages arrive. But I woke up at around 7.30 and entered at the cellist, <sighs> which was phenomenal. Wow. 19 years old. This man. You missed the, Did you it. miss the choir? I did miss the choir. And the preacher? But I rewatched all of it on YouTube later. Yeah, Because yeah. obviously you have to. I want to say my favorite moments were Stand By Me, sung by the choir. Um, my other favorite moment, it's not really a moment, but it's just kind of something that they included is that they had an empty chair beside William for Diana, which I thought was so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, she was also, the, her bouquet was also Diana's favorite flowers. Yes, baby breath. It was and her so ring was beautiful. Diana's as well. Yeah, the ring she wore to the reception. The aquamarine ring. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but my, my favorite dress were uh, Gina Torres, which is one of Meghan Markle's Suits co-stars, Kitty Spencer, who is Diana's niece, and Serena Williams. I just thought. I thought Amal Clooney looked great, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, Amal In the Clooney. yellow? Amal Clooney's already like. You didn't even see George next up. to her. She looked so you good. You never see George next to Amal Clooney. really don't. It's, it's brilliant. You I love really it. Don't. He must love it. He can like hide in plain sight beside his like iconic wife. Mm-hmm. I love it. Um, so I just want to say, like, I was fully prepared to, like, gag and laugh my way through this whole thing. And I was very moved by how they handled that whole thing. I'm going to agree because I we were joking about whether or not I was going to wake up at 4 a.m. because my house guests wanted to see it. But we ended up getting up at, like, 630. And we really saw, like, as the whole ceremony started. And, um, yeah, I was emotionally moved, too, and I wasn't expecting it to feel so inclusive and diverse and just to have all these really great American. It felt like such a beautiful melding of culture and specifically, like, black America. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was really beautiful. And her mother, Mm -hmm. just the epitome of, you know, being the only family member in the church, the history of that. I just couldn't even imagine, like, what is this woman thinking? Mm -hmm. There was such a grace she possessed and even with her nose ring and her dreads and her like gorgeous suit, it was just like everything was perfection. Everyone looked so relaxed, which is something I also really loved about it. Like William looked so chill. Everyone just looked like they were having like a really nice time, which is a nice change for a royal wedding. Yeah. And I find that like, yeah, I just, I loved like, even when they were exchanging their vows and Harry like said, I will or I do or whatever he said, there was like nervous laughter in the church. because it was just kind of like, Whoa! like we're doing something yeah. here, guys. It was very exciting. Harry's cute. Yeah. No, you're not into it. They don't do anything for me, but okay. good for Meghan Markle. Yeah. It was a great, great ceremony. Absolutely. Loved it. Um, doing another 
Oh, here's another show. Um, Pose on FX. How have you still not gotten to the thing that I'm like, I thought this would be number one. What What is Pose? Tell me about Pose. Um, Pose is basically about like the uh, ballroom culture and the trans community and drag queens. Oh, wow. And Janet Mock's going to be directing some <gasps> of the episodes. And it's like, because, um, you know, like the ball, do you know anything about the ballroom scene for queer culture? Nothing. Have you ever seen Paris is Burning or anything? No. Um, essentially like it's like tribes of people you belong to like houses and then they do these um, kind of like in RuPaul's Drag Race they do these like you know catwalks and runways and they serve different looks and they get judged and they get prizes and things like that and they're like big moments of pride in the community and it's like a safe space for them to like have these celebrations and feel seen and um, so anyway they're doing a show about it and it's really cool that Janet Mock's going to be directing some of the episodes yeah that's amazing what do you think I'm going to talk about the red table? Yep. Here we go. Here we go. Oh, my God. The red table. I feel like now we just, the, <sighs> the episode is starting because I feel like you have connected on this with, like, all of your heart. I really have, you know. So the red table is Jada Pinkett Smith and her mother and her daughter, Willow. And it's just, a, they ha- it's a round table. And the three of them kind of have these intergenerational conversations about being a woman. And I, I saw... I don't know. I, I can't tell you. I just think it was it felt revolutionary to watch. I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen specifically around motherhood, because I think that mothers in our society and, you know, my mother included, I think there's this uh, this ability that mothers want to protect and want to. Uh, how do I articulate this? I don't know. There's they, to me, a mother and, and my mother is included in this is like this pillar of strength. And the vulnerability is definitely there. But for for Jada to connect with her daughter, who is so young, 17, and her mother in a way that she like talks about life struggles, she talks about finding herself. I mean, she really goes there in such a deep way. It's like an ocean. And they all just feel and then to see Willow see her mother and she, she, she her reactions are like always what make me cry because she'll be like, mom and she'll grab her hand you're just you they're just sharing these parts of their lives that i think casually in your family you just wouldn't do you're not sitting down saying okay today we're going to talk about death today we're going to talk about you know this so i think it's such a beautiful it's creating such a beautiful space we're getting such vulnerability from the women and i love specifically the three generations that they've had such different experiences of growing up as women of color it's fascinating yeah, I think the other thing that's so I, I the episode about loss um, and death was like the one that hit the hardest for me um, because they're just so articulate about their experiences. Like Jada is obviously has a ton of media experience and a ton of experience telling like articulating her own stories. Mm-hmm. But what I loved about it is it doesn't just get like really sad and like everybody's just kind of like in it together and it's like you have to just kind of be there. It's like she's viscerally intelligent. And I love the way that she is able to talk about what she's been through and bring her mom and Willow in on the conversation with her. She's very much the leader of it. And I yeah. like that she holds that space at the table to kind of like bounce ideas around and, and bring the discussion to a very high place. Yeah. Well, she is like the anchor of it. She is. For sure. Yeah. And, and I think that was a very smart move. To well, make it's her... such a comfortable. It seems like that's where she is in the family anyway. Felt felt very organic to me. Yeah that she would lead the conversation, especially because she has such insight into both of these women too. Mm-hmm. 
Do you know what I mean? She's kind of the link for them as well. She is, absolutely. And I think I think Willow also is in a really interesting place in her life. I can't imagine the amount of craziness her upbringing has brought her. Oh, my um, God. But, yeah, it, it it you would never think that they were, like, as famous as they are in a weird way. They're mm-hmm. very, very humble and human in those conversations. Yeah, they're just kind of operating on, like, a spiritual plane consciously that is, like, mind-boggling to me and that is so fascinating and so wonderful to observe and also makes me, like, so curious as to, like, I wonder, like, what kind of conversations they have at the dinner table. Like, you can tell they're really able to go there and in a way, too, that not only can name it, but also, again, like, when Willow, when they talk about the grief episode and Jada talks about how, like, the person that she has lost, like, the biggest loss in her life was herself. And when she talks about being a mother and having to refine herself and have Willow sit at that table and hear that and give her space and say, like, oh, mom, that must have been so hard and tell me more and, like, and being able to learn from that, that, like, you're constantly regrowing and regenerating I really thought, wow, this is this is revolutionary. I've never seen anything like this on TV. Yeah. And it's on Facebook, for fuck's sake. Yeah. So smart to put it on a platform that just, like, everybody can access it. Everybody can get to it. And there's only, like, three episodes, and they all have, like, four million views. They're so good. In the body image episode. Um, that was great, they too. They call out Will Smith for, like, not really understanding his daughter, which is kind of incredible. Yeah. It's like a moment where Willow talks about how She's not comfortable with her body. You know, she's so petite and she's so tiny, um, just like her mom. Yeah. And uh, and grandma, too. Will Smith is like, well, he's like, I'm really happy that you're not curvy and I'm happy that you don't have like a voluptuous you're not gonna body. Be you're not going to be objectified. And Willow's like, yeah, I'm seen as like one of the boys and I don't like it. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I'm not objectified at all. She's like, nobody's even like looking at me. So it's like interesting to hear, you know, such a young woman and such a like, highly talented, highly intelligent girl talk about like, I want to date people. I want people well, to have interest be, in yeah, me. You I want to be desirable in your own way. Absolutely. I loved that. And yeah. I love that Jada was like, yeah, girl. She's like, that was my experience too. You'll and come even to, to it. hear these really beautiful women talk about what they didn't like about their body. There was something very cathartic about that too of like, we've yeah. all got our things. Yeah, the bo- body image conversations always kind of feel contrived to me. Hmm. I, that episode didn't hit as hard, but uh, very important. I know a lot of people will, that will be a lot of people's favorite episode for sure. Well, and I think a lot of times we think about body image being for people who are, you know, more body positive, And I think to have a really thin, you know, petite people talk about, you know, their struggles as well. It's like everybody's got something. And I thought that was really interesting. I thought the most interesting part of that conversation was Jada talking about how she was never black enough for people Mm. and how people were like, oh, you have white eyes. White eyes, yeah. So it doesn't, you're always going to be seen. You're always going to be successful because you're not actually that black. Mm. She was like, what are you saying to me When Willow heard that, she was like, wow, wow, wow. Like Willow's (laughs) responses are like my life. Yeah. Like, I just want her, like, in the background being like, oh, my gosh. Like, her, she just, there's such a, maybe it's her youthfulness. There's, like, a youthful truth to them yeah. that just is so sparks out of her. It's, like, so uncontrolled. It's totally. really such a delight. Yeah, I love it. God, I'm obsessed with this family. So good. Are they still into Scientology? Yeah. Oh, boy. I have to, like, 
put that whole thing aside when yeah. I watch it because I'm like, can't think about it. There's a lot going on here, but don't want to know here for this conversation. Don't want to know. Yeah, a thousand percent. Are you uh, deep diving on Michelle Obama's Instagram right now? Yes. With all her book stuff coming out. Oh my out? god, oh, that boy. book this fall is gonna rock my world. Oh my gosh, I can't wait. Becoming. Yeah. Like what a title. Mm. The post that she's doing recently about all the chapters and what she's going to talk about, the throwbacks, all these vintage photos. Yeah. She's really, I mean, such an incredible woman. I feel like Oprah status. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Maybe even like able to bridge gaps that Oprah is unable to do. How so? Uh, it just comes from a different space. I think that Michelle Obama garners, she commands respect because of being the first lady, because of like, you know, having the law degree, being a practicing lawyer, like she's, she commands respect and also yeah. like a very, you know, being beside Barack Obama and just all the initiatives that she was a part of and continues to be a part of. Um, I think Oprah sometimes, and this is with all the love to Queen Oprah, mm-hmm. with love, so I'm not saying anything that nobody said that people haven't said before, but she sometimes gets into the habit of telling people how to live their lives and the advice that she gives. It sometimes gets to be a bit preachy or it gets to be a little bit. She takes it to a spiritual level that not everybody is comfortable going to. And I think that Michelle Obama um, is much more practical wisdom in from what I've heard from her. They have totally different deliveries. Absolutely. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Well, I think Michelle, because of being the experience with the First Lady, she just has a way of speaking universally to to everyone and making sure that the language that she uses is um, is powerful, but it's thoughtful and it's inclusive. Whereas Oprah's real mission in her life is to spiritually enlighten, you know, and and elevate our consciousness. So she's she's a little bit of a pusher anyway. She's really trying to like move us, move the needle forward. Whereas Michelle is kind of meeting us where we're at and just, but giving us the truth, wisdom, guidance and love that I think Oprah also contains within her ability to communicate. Yeah, it's just two totally different styles. And they're often speaking to different audiences too. So yeah, it's interesting to see. Did you know that Oprah got the first interview with Meghan Markle's mom? That that's why she was at the royal wedding. Oh, that's fun. I really wondered why she was there. I thought that was like an interesting move. Why not, you know? I can think of like a thousand reasons why not, but <laughs> it was like, oh, and Oprah's here. Hello. Like, whoa, this is a big thing. I feel like if I had a wedding that I could invite Oprah to, I'd do it. I feel like Oprah walks in the room and it's like, boom, Oprah's here. And the queen walks in the room and it's like, boom, the queen's here. It's like so much. It's like waves. Tom Hardy's here. <laughs> Why was he there? You know, it's a great question. Why is Carrie Mulligan there? There's a lot of people that were invited that are interesting. I think Carrie choices. Mulligan is British, right? Mm-hmm. James Corden was also there. <laughs> James Corden. So much. So much. So much. <laughs> so much. Um, I want to give a shout out to Amelia Clark, who is currently in Solo, a Star Wars story. All right. Um, because she was in an interview and somebody said, how does it feel to play a strong woman? And she was like, can I just pause everything right now and say, we would never ask a man how it feels to play a strong man. And she's like, how about you ask me better questions? Like, 
what is it like to play a woman who's so powerful on screen that she takes Han Solo to task? How does it feel like to play a woman? Like she just like went down the line of just like, here are all the other ways you could phrase that question that isn't offensive. Mm -hmm. And I loved it. I was like, this is such a teaching moment for, you know, Solo has like a young audience. I feel like this is just kind of continuing. Like, let's change the way we talk to women. Let's change the way that we see women. Let's change the way that we are viewing the roles that women embody. And I thought it was like such a great moment. Such a bummer that we have to like even police people who talk to us. Yeah. It's like so exhausting. I can't imagine like having to to be in those press junkets and just being like this question again. Like drives me crazy. I feel like it'd be quite exhausting. I also get really annoyed that we're constantly like actresses now, especially in the last like year and a half like year I would say constantly have to answer about time's up constantly have to talk about me too constantly have to talk about change in the industry and we're not asking the same questions of men who are Mm -hmm. perpetuating all of these incredible injustices and that's really frustrating to me too and there's actually a movement called ask more of him with David Schwimmer and David Arquette have both signed on to it and it's telling men in the industry to like step up speak up and like change if you see injustices happening on your sets if you're a part of production teams that are perpetuating these problems do more Hmm. to stop it which is everything why are we only asking half of the people who are not even the ones abusing people right why are we asking them to constantly comment on it and not speaking to the other side nobody knows it's very frustrating it's crazy it's crazy, crazy. Um, something that's also crazy. <laughs> this is embarrassing, but I found out recently that Jughead from Riverdale is a twin. Okay. okay. And that everybody knew it. And that you knew it. Yeah. And I'm all in the dark here and I just... You have a big thing for Jughead on that show, don't yeah, you? Yeah, he's my favorite. Right. Well, it's yeah. very exciting. I think he's adorable. Well, how did you find out? I was following him on Instagram and he posted a photo with his brother. And I was like, wait a minute. They're like the same person. And then I did like a whole deep dive. And he made like a Zach and Cody reference because that's the Disney show that they were both on. And then I went into like a real K-hole and was just like, what is going on? Who are these people? And then I felt really disgusting about having a crush on him because I was like, I, I've seen these little boys before. Do you know what I mean? Like they're part of my you know, media landscape or knowledge. And then I was like, oh my gosh, I feel so conflicted about my life. I love it. I love that this just totally rocked your world. Yeah, how did you know that he was a twin? You just knew? Everybody just knows? Yeah, I know the actor. What are their names again? Cole Sprouse. Yeah, Cole Sprouse. He was on on Friends. He was Ross's kid. (gasps) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's been around forever. Jeez. Great. Guys, I'm sorry. I love it. Anything I've else? I let everyone down. That's fine. Um, no, that's pretty much it. You know, we still hate the NFL. They suck. Bob Dylan told Cindy Lauper that he didn't like chicks and bands. Whatever. Men just continue to disgust me lately. Oh, my goodness. What are you looking forward to? I'm looking forward to all those Netflix shows that I just talked about. And also continuing to harass my contacts to figure out how we can get a job on <laughs> Keep me posted, sister. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I feel like there's a lot of a lot of cool shows coming. I feel like the fall is going to be interesting. I'm a little nervous about the summer watching. I'm going to be watching Queer Eye, so it doesn't matter. Oh, my God. It's coming out in like a day. June 15th. 
season two. Where right. I fingers crossed. That is, you all better be watching season one. We'll have Jonathan on, and he'll tell us all about it. Can we please? It'd be a delight. Why not? Love it. Well, Bettys, you know that you should rate us and review us on iTunes. Give us all the five stars and subscribe. Please. And if you need unsolicited advice about, you know, a show, you need a second opinion, or you just want us to give you advice about your life, please email beavertalkpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks so much to Kent, our producers, and the Atlantic Transmission for hosting us. Yay. Happy Feminist Wednesday. Happy Feminist Wednesday. Hey guys, I'm Lissa Mandel. I'm Philip Cassell. And we're here from The, the Bitch Seat. Seat, the podcast. It's an interview show where we talk to guests about the horrible and beautiful parts of their youth. We like to think of it as an adult talk show and tell. A grown-up show and tell. There you go. Like that. So for a teaser, here's some magnetic poetry that I wrote on my fridge when I was 12. Hit it, Phil. Dreams of whispered music felt snow white and lathered me in delirious symphonies. The ache within is black and bitter. A thousand frantic shadows scream and chant bitterly. I sleep on a lake of a thousand diamonds. You were 12? Yeah, I was way ahead of my time. Fair enough. Tune in. This has been an Atlantic Transmission production. Hey!